Welcome to the P3 Podcast. This is episode 13, The Impact Survey, From Gut Punch to Growth Tool with Eric Thornsberry. Hey, principals and school leaders, thanks for joining me here on the P3 Podcast. In today's episode, I talk with my friend Eric Thornsberry about the Impact Survey. And there's been a lot of discussion in the P3 realm about the Impact Survey. We did a office hours where we had a a bunch of principals get together and, and express what they were feeling and how they were addressing the impact survey. And I just want you to know it's okay to be mad. It's okay to be hurt. It's okay to be confused. It's okay to question the validity of the survey questions. It's okay to question the motives of the respondents. It's okay to believe that favorable should include that middle category option on the answers it's okay if you had to go and lay down in the corner in the fetal position and suck your thumb for a little bit because sometimes the impact survey gives us feedback that we weren't ready for, that we weren't expecting, uh, because it's a different perspective than we might have. It's also important that once we get past that stage of processing what is in the impact survey, that we dig deeper into why people answered the way they did and how we can use this information and data to improve our school and the working conditions for our teachers. And that's easy to say, it's harder to do. And as I talked to Eric about the way that he has addressed the data in the impact survey and how he's made a conscious effort to improve his school using this tool, I hope that you find it as profoundly inspiring as I do. Um, Episode 13, the impact survey from gut punch to growth tool with Eric Thornsberry, the principal at Tates Creek Middle School. I hope you enjoy. I hope that you like. I hope you subscribe. And I hope you share this podcast with someone else who might benefit from the wisdom within. All right. I'm super excited to be joined by my friend, Eric Thornsberry, who is the principal at Tates Creek Middle School. Eric, thanks for joining me today. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. I uh, Would you go ahead and just tell us a little bit about your background in education so people can know how long have you been at Tates Creek and how long have you been in administration, all those kind of things. Sure. Yeah, actually, uh, I was lucky enough to start uh, here at Tates Creek Middle School as a special education teacher in 2000. Uh, 2002, I was a mid-year hire uh, that year. And actually, when I agreed to take the job, the principal at that time said, are you sure? Uh, Because I was the third teacher of the year uh, for this particular class and uh, just fell in love with it here. Uh, So taught for uh, just over five years, uh, became a dean of students uh, at Lexington Traditional Magnet School for a year, uh, and then uh, hopped right into administration in an assistant principal role here at Tates Creek Middle uh, where I served for four years, uh, and then I've been the principal uh, here since 2012. So this is my my tenth year serving uh, this population, uh, and I tell my wife all the time it's it's my second home for sure. Uh, you know, I've been around the block, and now I've got kids of uh, kids of kids that I used to have, and and just love it here. So so essentially, my entire career has been here in this one building. That's great. And unusual these days. So thank you for your service there. Tell us a little bit. I know Tate's Creek Middle is an international baccalaureate school for the middle grades. Tell us a little bit how that process uh, plays out in your building. Yeah, so so as an IB school, we really focus on it's a it's a holistic approach to 
to educating our, our kids. So we really feel that, you know, the students are the center of all learning. And then within that, everything is weighted the same. Uh, so we have language, language and literature in lots of schools, it's, it's language arts. It means just the same as uh, a performing art or a band. Like we want, we want to make sure that our kids have multiple opportunities to learn and demonstrate their talents uh, and give them opportunities, uh, again, just through various means. So uh, we really focus on global perspective. Uh, we talk a lot about how what we're learning is connected throughout the world uh, and really want our kids to understand you know, we're here in Lexington. A lot of our kids think we're a big city. You know, Lexington's a big city. And the reality is we're, we're a small, we're a small city uh, in the state of Kentucky. And there's such a bigger world out there. So really trying to, to draw them in uh, to understand how interconnected the entire world is. You know, um, we, we talk a lot about the horse industry here uh, and how, you know, two stops away you're in another country. Uh, we have a lot of those conversations. So uh, all of our kids are required to take 50 hours of a second language uh, every year. So we offer uh, three languages here. Uh, and again, every kid is required to take one. Uh, and all of our kids get PE and health year round. Uh, I know that doesn't happen at a lot of schools. So we offer it. It is every other day, but it's year round uh, for our kids. Uh, so, so it's really about exposing them to, to all of the, to more than just math and, and reading. Um, you know, we really want them to be well-rounded and, and understand that there's a place for them. Uh, and our vision this year is really focused on I belong here. Uh, and that really falls into to the IB uh, belief system that, that we're here to create an environment where every kid can find their thing uh, and be successful at what they're, what they're good at. Great. Thanks for that explanation. I know a lot of people see that IB title and don't really know what it means when they dig into it. So thanks for sharing that. Well, the reason that I wanted to talk to Eric today uh, for the podcast listeners is I was on Twitter and I saw a post from my friend Tracy Bruno, who is the middle school chief of staff for Fayette County. I mean, for, yeah, for Fayette County Public Schools. And he was saying that they had just had a great principals meeting all around the impact survey results. So I reached out to Tracy and I was like, hey, what what did you do to support your principals? Because we want to be doing things statewide to support our principals. And he said, well, do you know a guy named Eric Thornsberry? He's over at Tate's Creek Middle. And he basically took over the meeting by sharing the process that they've done at Tate's Creek Middle with using the impact to really positively affect the school culture um, and the, the working conditions for the teachers over there. And you should talk to him. And so he he said, do you know Eric? And Eric and I go way back because of basketball. Eric is a, a longtime official and an assigner for officials. And I used to coach. And so we, we are good friends from a long way back. And so I reached out to Eric and said, hey, can you talk to us about your process? And he mentioned a rubric uh, when I was talking to Mr. Bruno. And so uh, I just wanted to open up the floor to Eric to talk to us about the impact survey and how you've turned that at Tate's Creek Middle from something where you might feel like the punch in the gut came from the results that got back to a tool that you've been able to use to positively influence your school. Eric, I'd appreciate it if you would share with us all uh, your thoughts on this. Yeah, so, so as I explained in our cadre meeting, uh, I kind of told the story. You know, when I first took this job in 2012, our first round of, of survey results, and I'm sure other new administrators have seen this, they're really high, right? There's lots of energy, new administrative team, uh, so everything, everything came back really well. Uh, second time, we started to level off a little bit uh, with the tail survey. 
you know, now we start to see what they really think of us, right? We're four years in, we're, we're in our routines and we see. Uh, so I had a gut punch moment, Keith, where uh, I had two of my leadership team, there were four of us, and, and two of them left one, two weeks before school started, uh, and the other the day before school started. Uh, they took other jobs, which kind of put us in a, in a dilemma, right? I had two new members of my administrative team start essentially right at the beginning of the school year. Uh, so we, we struggled through that year a little bit, uh, and the results were evident when we got the, the tell survey back. So it was that point I started to really look at what the questions were asking to try to figure out what I could change. So I come in uh, right after that. We start to review all the information uh, with, our, with our staff in, I think it was 17, uh, when we started to look at that. And we realized at the end that we were just giving people an opportunity to verbalize what they didn't like. So it really, instead of looking at the data and figuring out how we can improve it, it really became just a list of things that we didn't like, not necessarily things that can improve it. Uh, so my team at that point uh, had two new members come in and they've been with me since. And we started talking about how can we get some clarity with this? Uh, so, of course, the pandemic hit, so that slowed us down. So this year, um, we knew it was coming. We talked a lot about the impact survey. Uh, so it was something that we, we brought up at the beginning of the year. Here's our goal for the year. and We really focused on feedback and coaching as the primary uh, goal uh, was to increase that. And we wanted a significant increase. We wanted a 30% increase in favorability on that. So through my conversations, with some of our teachers, it became evident that we weren't real sure what that was, what it looked like, uh, and, and really how to answer the questions. Uh, so we had a meeting, uh, one of our regular scheduled meetings, I came in and I shared, I started with the very the purpose of the impact survey, uh, walked through that. We watched a video on the impact survey and what the scores were, uh, how they were scored, what favorability meant. Uh, I took questions at that point, let them, you know, I wanted them to understand the why behind it. Uh, and, and lots of them actually said they didn't even know the answers had changed. I think on the tell survey, it, you know, there was one set of words on this and it was different. Uh, so really it was about awareness with them. Uh, and then we started our work on, on rubrics at that point. Uh, and I kind of laid out what I wanted from them uh, and got their input. So then we met as a staff, we split up into, into two groups. Uh, and what I did, I really wanted some common language. So when I met with them, uh, I went through the same process again. So they're hearing it twice, right? They're hearing the impact survey um, video again, which specifically, I think there's a two minute mark that I stopped it at and make sure they had some clarity. And then I told them that if I'm to serve them, what do they expect from me? Like this rubric is what I wanted to like, what is almost always look like to you? And we really had some good conversations through that. And then they started their work on, on developing rubrics for us. Uh, to give us some clarity and again that common language and when we answer those questions this is what we're really saying yeah i think that that's the the clarity of the terminology within the tool itself um because it can be ambiguous i mean there there are principals who i've talked to and and experienced myself you know i was in the principal seat the last three years before i joined p3 this year um and there were answers to the impact survey that when I eventually talked to the teachers about what they were thinking when they made those answers, they were referring to someone in central office that had made yeah. a statement or made a decision that 
um, they weren't happy with. And, and I'm thinking, no, this is this survey is supposed to be reflective of me at the principal at the school level. And so uh, a lot of uh, things that are misinterpreted. So I love it that you went in and, and clarified the terminology. Talk to us a little bit about um, how those meetings went and some of the aha moments that came from the teachers as you went through this process of uh, clarifying terms. Yeah, so uh, like I said, when we split the groups, I tried to get a good balance uh, to make sure all facets of the building were, were represented. Uh, and then we have the rubric laid out by each question. So feedback and coaching, you know, has a set of questions below it. So all I did was I took the question below it. For example, how often do you receive feedback on your teaching? And then the rubric grows across almost always, frequently, sometimes, once in a while, almost never. Uh, so what I asked them to do is pick their starting point. I didn't tell them where they had to start and just go, okay, what does, what I'd like for y'all to come up with is some bullet points. What does that look like to you? What do you all expect almost always to look like? Because the only way we felt we could, we could make that jump is if we understood what they wanted, you know, because at the end of the day, that is who, you know, we serve kids and I'm here to serve the teachers. Uh, so I wanted to understand what they wanted. So the conversation started. Uh, specific to feedback and coaching, uh, the conversation started and you could hear them talk about the various ways they were getting feedback and coaching that in isolation, teachers weren't always seeing. Uh, so one might think feedback and coaching is simply a walkthrough. If I come in and visit the room, that's the only time they're getting it. And other people would go, well, we get it when we have collegial plan and, and my associate principal Kelly Sergenis goes in with them. She's giving feedback on their teaching and their lesson planning and you know what activities they're doing and rubric development. So as they started to talk, they really started to see there was far more feedback occurring than they originally, like I said, in isolation that they would think about. Uh, so they ended up listing those in the rubric. Uh, so there were some aha moments like I never thought of that as being feedback and coaching, but it is. Uh, so as they created that, you could really see them start to say, okay, weekly, monthly, every other month, you start to hear language going, this is what we expect from our administrative team in order to get the highest possible scores. And it was really, uh, it was it was enlightening for me to hear. I was glad I, I was in there to facilitate it. Uh, and I was also grateful that they they trusted me enough just to be honest in there and have real conversations. You know, and that that's the game changer, their investment in this rubric versus me saying, here's our rubric. Uh, their input was, was a game changer for us. Yeah, and I think just having the whole school on the same page once you finalize that process to know, you know, this is the range that we think falls into these various things. And then you can set your calendar. And, and you, I mean, of course, you can go beyond what their definitions are of those things if you feel like that they need more support. Um, but to know that that's and there's um, there's no questioning there's no black space there where you can just there's there's no interpretation it's all set there for you by them filling in this rubric and and um the conversations that i'm sure stemmed from the differences i would guess in the very first meeting of what one person thought of as frequently versus another person uh I, i'm sure that 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 realization uh was was an aha moment for your teachers yeah, at one point, uh, it was interesting to hear highest score, extremely thorough, was, was, I believe, the question we were looking at. They had written something out, and they started to work backwards. And when they get to the middle, uh, which I believe is somewhat thorough, one of, the, one of the teachers said, hang on. Like, 
look at extremely thorough again. Is that even possible? Like, do, is that a is it ever possible to get that score? So they came back and really started as teacher. And again, administration was completely out of this. Uh, but the conversation started going: Is what we're, is that even attainable? You know, is it is it possible they can ever get that? If not, we need to redo this because the goal isn't to make it impossible. The goal is for us to say, what do we think is thorough? And, and they had to start from scratch a couple of times and back up because as they really started to look at it and started to put it in perspective of, of you know, the world we live in and the work that we all do, like I'm asking, you know, I'm going to score this on something that I, that, that quite frankly, isn't feasible to ever get. That's not okay. Uh, mm -hmm. So they, they really had some outstanding discussions as a staff about, you know, what is extremely thorough? What is quite thorough? Uh, and there were some aha moments for several, like, man, I never thought of that. Like, yeah, if I asked him to do that, it would be 8,322 walkthroughs a year, you know? <laughs> right. And, and went through that. So it was really good for our teachers to have that, that discussion amongst themselves, with, again, without us, without fear of us saying anything back, just wide open, let's trust each other uh, and get to work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I like the way that you had said that um, you went over with your teacher's what favorable means, because I think in this impact survey, you, you mentioned the changes in the, in the tell. I think there were four options that you could choose from and the top two were favorable and the bottom two were not favorable. But in this impact survey, there are five options. And I don't know that everyone knows that the top two options are favorable and the bottom three options are not favorable. And so uh, I think some folks that we talked to in our in our office hours yesterday that the P3 team had with, with about 25 principals um, expressing discontent, discontentment with what their scores were, when they took out the favorable and not favorable and just looked at the five scores individually and realized how many people had evaluated their school or their leader in that middle that sometimes or whatever it was, that middle option, um, unfavorable didn't necessarily um, mean as, as negative as what they had originally thought. And so I think knowing the tool in that way also, and I, I wanna share with the listeners, um, Eric has said he's, he's willing to share the, his rubric um, and I'll, I'll find the video that you, that you uh, shared with your staff so that people can, can take a look at that as well if they wanna share it with their staff. Um, but I thought Eric had a great response to the creation of the rubric, you can't just use yours, right, right Eric? Can you go ahead and, and dive into that a little bit? Yeah, so so as I presented to Cadre, I had some some of my colleagues reach out and the, the biggest piece of the rubric development is it has to be individualized for your school. Uh, like this is specific to the work that we do in our building. So, so it doesn't necessarily transition over, you know, to a Beaumont Middle School because he his structures and operational procedures might be different. So it has to be individualized uh, by each school, you know, and the and the staff you have in front of you. You know, my staff may have different expectations than yours, and that's perfectly fine. Uh, but the importance of really making sure that, that that your staff is creating it, and you're not just taking mine or anybody else's and going, "This is what we're doing." You know, let let them own that ownership piece is so critical. You know, and the and the feedback we're getting ready, to, and I can talk about that in a little bit. We're we're going to start our next steps obviously with this data and the rubrics are going to be a big part of that. Uh, well, I think maybe really what we share, ownership. what if we share just a blank one? And then if they want to reach out to see what your staff 
actually put for the answers, they can reach out to you. I'll put your email in there, but we'll just share a blank rubric where you're there because I do think it's best practice for each school to start the process from scratch. You can't, you can't uh, skip over steps or, or you don't have a tool that's worth, you know, worth using. Uh, So I think that'll be a good thing. Talk a little bit about the, the, um, results, the numbers that came back as a result of your work here? Yeah, so when, when the results come, came back in, uh, I was, it, honestly, it's probably the most excited I've been in, in three or four years, just because, you know, it was for the first time we'd received great feedback on uh, on the impact result. But number two, just everything that's going on in this world uh, in education, it was nice to see that our staff um, really understands what we're trying to do and they bought into to the work. So we actually improved in uh, eight of the nine categories. Uh, 15% was our average improvement uh, in each one with the favorability, which is fantastic. Uh, six of our nine were higher than Kentucky middle schools. Uh, that speaks volumes about the culture that we're trying to create here. Um, and then five of those nine were above both Kentucky and Fayette County. Uh, so, so our results uh, were significant. That's specific to feedback and coaching, which was our goal. Uh, we saw a jump from uh, 29% favorability to uh, 65% favorability. Uh, so to see that increase uh, for us, I want to make sure I gave you the right number there. Uh, but to see that that large of a jump, specific considering we were focusing on it, really wanted to make it a part of our our work this year. Uh, you know, it was just such a good feeling. Uh, and again, to understand that we're all on the same page was just a number now there's some real teeth and meaning to it based on that rubric. That's awesome. I think that it's, uh, so you said you wanted to focus on two different areas. You wanted to focus on feedback and coaching, and then you wanted to focus on behavior management was the second one. And Eric and I were talking, you know, is getting prepared for this podcast and a profound, profound, uh, end game I guess for the behavior management uh came out of his mouth and I just thought man this is you know and maybe Eric it's not it's not the end game that you want this is just part of the process and the process is taking longer than what maybe you thought it would but uh talk about your behavior management process as well you know you did the same thing with creating the rubric and, and some of the things that you ran into there yeah Keith so on the uh, with the managing student behavior, we want to do the same process. Uh, so I had a set of teachers working on those questions as well. So when you look at managing student behavior, you know, the, the questions change just a little bit. Uh, and some are focused more on administration. Some are students and teachers. Some are just teachers. Uh, so the questions become a little bit more personal uh, in those. So uh, where our feedback and coaching group was able to complete the entire rubric, uh, all but one question, the managing student behavior couldn't get through one question where they could agree on specifically what it meant. And I will, I'll give an example. Uh, the first question under managing student behavior says, how effective are the school leaders at developing rules for students that facilitate their learning? Well, they started out having this conversation and I was obviously intrigued by this. I wanted to really listen to what they were saying. Well, they immediately talked about administration. Well, then somebody comes up and says, but that says school leaders. Who are school leaders? Because throughout the impact survey, it actually refers to administrators. So it calls us out by by title. 
So then we started to have, or we, they started to have it, who are school leaders? Like when it says school leaders, are they talking about a PBIS coach? Are they talking about a behavior coach? Are they talking about, you know, the, the climate culture committee? Who are they referring to? So, so this group had excellent conversations, but they could not come to a consensus on even the first question on what it meant. So then they did start to work through it, Keith. And, and every time they would get to the end, they would delete it and start over because they just didn't feel good about it. Uh, and one interesting thing, and I've told the staff this, uh, so this isn't going to be new to them if anybody listens, is that with student behavior, we started at the bottom. Whereas with feedback and coaching, we started with the highest score first. Hmm. And I thought that was just an interesting mindset to think, you know, with, with managing student behavior, we wanted to go not at all effective first instead of extremely effective, but with feedback and coaching, we wanted to start with, a tremendous amount and work backwards. Uh, so it, that's going to be our next push really is to, to get the managing student behavior rubric developed so we can, we can find some common ground there. That's, that's just powerful stuff. And even, even if they struggle continuously the rest of the year to, uh, to put parameters on, you know, within that rubric, the conversations that are happening, I would think are invaluable to growing your staff, which is what this is all about. You know, we're talking about a, a, uh, a survey that is for working conditions. And when you have the, the uh, ability to voice what your concerns are as a teacher, that alone has to improve your working conditions. And so I, I would think that, that uh, the whole process has to be a boost uh, for an empowered staff. Yeah, and, and that's really, that was really our goal. You know, the, the whole goal behind this as I move forward is really making sure that you know they own they own their part of it uh, as teachers, but then I know what I know what they expect from me, you know, and I think that's that's really what I think they've appreciated about this process is that it's not me saying we're giving all the feedback in the world, you just don't see it. It's them saying, here's what we think is thorough feedback, which then now I have to recalibrate my expectations of myself and our, you know, and it, and it made us look at our processes a little bit, like what are we doing? How can we be more intentional? You know, how can we intentionally refer back to this so they know, hey, this is part of feedback and coaching that you all asked for. Don't forget, you know, and, and we've done a nice job. My, my team has done a nice job of that, and the teachers have really responded to that. Yeah. This has been great. Any other parting thoughts as we get ready to wrap this up? No, I, I just, you know, I, we've got an amazing staff, you know, and I can't say enough good things about, you know, everything that's happened in the last couple of years. Uh, for sure. But my staff is, is phenomenal. You know, they want what's best for kids. Uh, and like I said, we're really trying to build a culture where every person knows they belong uh, and, and they have a voice. Uh, and, you know, they know that, that we're here to serve them uh, just as much as the students. So uh, can't say enough great things about about my staff uh, here at Tate Street Middle. That's awesome. Well, thanks for your time today, Eric. I appreciate your thoughts and your expertise in this area and sharing, being vulnerable enough to share the things that have worked for you and, and the struggles that you've had as you've gone through the process. I know other people are going to listen to this podcast and learn a lot from the things that you've shared. Uh, so I appreciate your time very much. And I hope you have a great day. Right. Thanks, Keith. Appreciate you having me. The P3 podcast is a podcast for principals by principals. Our team hopes that you are inspired as you learn from school leaders in Kentucky and beyond please take a moment to like and subscribe to the P3 podcast. 
And it would be awesome if you would share this episode with other school leaders in your PLN. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a lead learner with a growth mindset. And most of all, thank you for being a champion for kids.